Ted Wired was an exuberant young tennis pro with a bright future until he came up against a trial that no one is prepared to meet. I went off to college where my high school sweetheart, Leslie, was going to school, and we got married. She was pregnant with our first daughter, Carrie. And soon after that, she was pregnant with Amy. So we were excited once again. My younger brother, he was supposed to be the godfather of Amy. And he died in a shipwreck up in Alaska. We were really shattered. Then Amy was born, and we found out that Leslie had sarcomatoid renal cell carcinoma. Our world was rapidly changing. We found out on a Friday and on Monday, Leslie was in to have her kidney removed and to have a tumor removed from her skull. You were both 28 at the time? Yeah. I was scared. It looked like my wife was going to die. I had a one and a three-year-old. I remember taking her to the hospital, coming back to put the girls to bed and actually dressing them in their school clothes and asking them not to pee the bed because I knew I couldn't do it all in the morning. And they didn't pee the bed. And so they thought Leslie would live for seven weeks. And she walked with that cancer. And she died almost exactly two years later. After the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I had started to wonder, God, there should be a camp for kids when parents are sick. And there should be a camp for dads who are trying to raise girls alone. Finally, when the three of us were starting to get life going, and I got a phone call from my stepfather. And he said, Ted, this is not a joke. I'm being totally serious. There's been a horrible car accident, and Amy has died. And my mother-in-law, Leslie's mom, had died. And they're flying Carrie as soon as she gets out of surgery to Albuquerque. And I was just stunned. My soul was totally shattered from my body. And I drove to the hospital. I was actually driving to the same exact hospital where Leslie had had her surgeries. And the whole way, I just kept going, I can't do this again, I can't do this. Carrie lived for one day. And at one moment, I just went in and said, Carrie, if you need to be with your mom and your sissy, that's okay. And 20 minutes later, her brain hemorrhaged and she was gone. There was over 2,000 people at the funeral. It was amazing, and that really felt 100% supported. I did believe I'd be okay. I didn't know what that would mean in the upcoming year and how not okay that was. My soul was definitely not in my body. I was just in that hollow place. From there, I traveled, and I ended up in Maui, and that is when I dropped. And it really became, I could swim out into the ocean and the current could take me away and I could be with my family. And this voice said I could not kill myself in honor of my girls. I was bummed. I had really thought maybe I could just stay here and be the walking dead and be a zombie. So I came back to the mainland and stumbled around. Finally, I stepped into the treatment center in North Carolina. And it was a treatment center for drug and alcohol uh-huh. addiction? Yeah, it was for drug and alcohol addiction. But and there was nowhere else to go. I mean, there was... No, there was nowhere. Why isn't there a place you can just show up and say, I'm sad, I've lost self. So I knocked on the door and said, I need to come to treatment. And they said, well, how many drugs do you use? And I said, none. And they said, how much do you drink? And I said, probably four beers. And they said, a day. I said, no, a year. And they're like, oh, this guy minimizes well. We might as well let him in. And they learned quickly that I really didn't have that type of addiction. 
I had lost my drug of choice called my daughters, and there was no dealer. I knew craving on the utmost level, and I was more than willing to die to get one more hit of my daughters. And so I spent 28 days in treatment. Was there a moment when you felt yourself come back to yourself? I really felt myself about day 24 in treatment. I had stepped out to go for a little walk and saw a kingfisher bird, and all of a sudden from that bird I noticed the little lake, and I noticed the temperature on my skin, and I noticed the dirt under my feet, and all of a sudden somehow I was regrounded to this earth. And it was like my soul had decided, yep, I can re-enter this shell again. All of a sudden, oh, it was an incredible moment finally dropping into that place of I surrender and I'm sad actually opened my heart and it let me live again. I met my present wife, Marcella, and uh, one day she just said, are you ever going to do that dream of that camp or whatever? In honor of the girls, we decided to sell everything and head west to start an emotional sanctuary focused on grief and loss and recovery. We found this broken down house that we rebuilt and made guest rooms and then people started showing up who were sad. I think that a grief center should be in every town. I believe that very deeply. I definitely see people in the world who stay the walking dead and stay in that shell place that I was so long. Grief recovery is that piece of us that we've lost, and so we need recovery. It's a natural, normal healing process. So I die in a loss, and then the grief process is me rebirthing myself into my new self because I don't get to be who I used to be. I mean, you couldn't have gotten here without those losses in your life, right? You want to talk about that? Yeah, it's an awesome question. Due to the losses in my life, I get to do the work I do. But yes, it's very sad. It's a sad story. And I'm also grateful that I chose to live. So I strived in honor of them. So they live on through me. I love life. And my story would say the opposite. I get the great honor to witness people to choose to live again and celebrate life when they didn't feel there would ever be life again. And I can't ask for a better gift than that. And the beautiful thing is it happens. Do you want me to show you how the setup is? Sure. And Meredith's been here for two weeks, Yeah. right? And there's our drummer. We're here to celebrate new beginnings. Do we need to burn it? Sure. Let it go, Meredith. Leave it in the desert. <laughs> Don't put it back in the backpack. One, two, three. Oh! Chrysalis gone, wings are soaring. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Thank you. These days, Ted's both a minister and a counselor and is very busy advocating for you and running the Golden Willow Retreat Center. We'll have a link to his new book, Witnessing Ted, on our site, snapjudgment.org. That piece was produced by our own Rita Daniels. You are listening to Snap Judgment, and to hear more stories, visit snapjudgment.org.